This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. This is Joy 94.9's Family Matters podcast, your light-hearted look at parenthood and rainbow families, sponsored by Berry Street. Did you know that Berry Street seeks members of our LGBTI communities to become foster carers? Not only do they have a proud tradition of training and embracing LGBTIQ carers, they officially support marriage equality. Learn more now at berrystreet.org.au. A proud joy sponsor for over five years. Family Matters is brought to you today by the letters LGBTIQA and the number one. Hello, it is me, Frank Lowe, and my son. Mr. Briggs! We've got some wonderful, exciting news. What, what are we excited about right now? I wrote a book. Wait a moment, no you didn't. Yes, I did. Of course I wrote the book. Who else do you think wrote the book? Kids like me who have gay parents. Okay, so technically you're right. What did I do? I rearranged the yeah, stories. You, you like put it in order. So what is the story? What is the name of it? Raised by unicorns. Raised by unicorns. That's right. Then you consider I'm a unicorn, right? Like you consider me yeah. to be a big, beautiful, amazing unicorn? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good answer, by the way. Do you know what kind of stories they're talking about? LGBTQ That's that's sure right. Exactly. People people that have parents just like you that are LGBTQ plus. Do you know when the book comes out? This is a big deal. On the twelfth. Yes. So June twelfth. Twelve. Two thousand nineteen. Two thousand eighteen. Oh. Yes. This is two thousand eighteen. Yes. So everybody, stop what you're doing. Go order the book. I promise you won't be disappointed. If you are a gay parent, lesbian parent, any LGBTQ plus parent, and if you want insight into what kids are going to think or people are going to say to your kids, this is exactly the book that you need. All right. Say bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Buy the book. Buy the book today. On the line from Connecticut, I've got the fabulous and very famous gay dad, very well known for the gay at home dad Twitter following, Frank Lowe. Frank, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This is wonderful. Now, Frank, you've got an amazing new book, which I think is almost on the Amazon number one, called Raised by Unicorns, which is an anthology of kids' stories from LGBTQI families. Yes, exactly, which is something, there have been things that are somewhat close to that that have been done in the past, but when I say the past, the last kind of thing was about 20 years ago, and it really didn't reflect what's happening now. So this is very, to me, this is very relevant right now because we, we hear so often about stories from the parents, but when do we ever get to hear, well, what the hell are the kids that, you know, exactly. what, what are the kids dealing with? How are they growing up? How are they adjusting? And so that's what I love about this book is it, it just opens that door wide open. Like yeah. there's no, nothing is held back. <laughs> uh, look, so. we're, we're going to delve into the book. Before sure. we do that, I mean, you're you're really well known for your really popular Twitter feed at Gate Home Dad. Let's start, let's kind of travel back to your story of becoming a parent. You and I are from the same generation. We both probably yes. didn't grow up seeing any LGBT representations 
anywhere in the media. This is before well, the internet. And if we did, it was, wasn't in a positive light. No, not know. at all. Even rarer to see rainbow families. Right. Did you, growing up, did you always want to be a dad? You know, I, it's something that I had in, in the back of my thought or head is as a thought, but it wasn't something that I thought was attainable, yeah. if that makes sense. So yes, totally. it, took, it took me meeting the right person. Uh, when I was 21, which is now my, he's now my ex-husband, we'll get into that, mm. um, to really kind of solidify that idea and be like, okay, I think we can do this. And we, that was in 1997, so we yeah. were still even kind of pioneering then. Yeah. Obviously, we didn't have a child until recently-ish. I'll, I'll, we'll get into that too. But mm. um, but yeah, it is, it's something that I, I, I'm a family man, so it's something I, uh, you know, definitely wanted. I just didn't really know if I could do it or not. And I, yeah. I didn't know how to go about it was the other thing. So obviously, you know, two men don't have the right parts to make a baby. So, you well, know, it's kind of like, yeah, and I, didn't, I didn't know about all that stuff when I was younger. So I always wanted to be a parent while I didn't want to get married. I always wanted to raise kids. It's always that kind of thing going, well, I know I've got the parts, but how do I go about it? Which is, which is funny you touched on that because in, in the book, you will notice that it's definitely a little more heavy on the L. Yes. And I think that's part of why. I think it's because, again, the parts are there. The parts <laughs> you know, are there. You, you have more, I mean, I'm just going to say it, there's more opportunities and different, you know, options than what two gay males have. So, yeah, you know, our, our, our options are somewhat limited, but I, totally. I think, um, yeah, but it's, at least it's becoming in America here, which I, and I'm hoping in Australia, it's becoming a little bit more broadly accepted it's it's becoming less strange how yeah. about that what were the pathways available to you and how long ago was that journey how old's your son now yeah he is now nine he just actually turned nine on monday happy birthday um, breaks yes exactly happy birthday breaks um so the way it worked was we actually moved here from chicago so i live in rural northwestern connecticut so <laughs> Yeah, um, not exactly. It's kind of a, you know, I don't know how to describe it. It's in the middle of nowhere, basically, is well, where we live right now. It's small population, rural. too, isn't it? It's not a big, mm, bustling metropolis. Yeah, 20,000 people wow. in my town, which is wow. kind of, for me, as someone, I'm a city person, so it's really been a, a strange adjustment. But <laughs> So what, what happened was we actually got on the adoption list when we lived in Chicago. We lived in Chicago for a bit of time. This was maybe about 12 years or so ago now. So adoption so was legal the in the U.S. For, for gay dads? Yes, yeah. So what? And But at the time, though, there was no other rights that we were granted, meaning like you couldn't get married. Yeah. There wasn't even partnership and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So there was there was all the extra risks that, you're, that we were taking, even in adopting a child, like getting our names on the birth certificate yeah. back then would have been close to impossible. Well, fast forward a few years and we ended up moving to Connecticut. So when we started the adoption process in Chicago was going great. You know, everything was fine. We, we had to take classes, et cetera. There was all this stuff we had to do. Yeah. And then once we moved to Connecticut, because his job, he had a wonderful job um, opportunity that we just, nobody would pass up what, what, what he had. Yeah. Um, so we move up here. And so we had to start the, the whole process clear over. It's oh, just wow. it, it, because unfortunately, it, yeah, the way it works is it's, it, you have to work with a local adoption agency. Yeah. So we, we got settled, you know, I, we got like what we, in our head, what we thought was like the picture perfect home, you know, like kind of like if you, I don't know if you have any images of Connecticut in your brain, but I always tell people it's pretty much exactly what you think. It's like, you know, the long sprawling yards and wow. the big colonials and all that kind of stuff. So, so we did it. We, we got ourselves set up first and then I think it was December of 2000 and, oh God, seven or eight. I'm not, I don't want to get it wrong, but um, yeah, is when we actually got really serious about getting on the adoption list up here. So the way it worked up here was different. Up here, we get on a list, and then the birth mother chooses you. Oh, wow. Which if you, 
Oh, it's yeah, it's wow is right, but it's also think about how nerve wracking you are <laughs> literally exposing yourself and just praying that like you're going to get chosen. That's, so, what do you put out there for like, do you do a video? Yeah, is you there name it. Oh, yeah. The oh, one liner. Yeah. So, promotional, so much promotional stuff involved, uh, tons of pictures and stuff like that. One of my favorite stories I tell people is that after about a week or two of us getting like things really going, the adoption agency called me and they're like, We need you to, can you possibly grow out a beard? I'm like, okay, why? Uh, yes, I can. Why, why bears? Like, popular dad like choices? Feet. Well, I, I'm not going to lie. I have a little bit of a baby face. And apparently <laughs> people were coming back and saying that I look like I'm 18 or 19. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I know, right? That's, I, that's my little funny joke. So I grew a beard. I've had one since, and it's kind of become my thing. But, um, yeah, so I grew a beard, and then and then this is what happened. So I grew, I grew the beard. We get on the list. Literally six weeks after getting on the list, I got the, quote, call, you know, wow. which was basically saying – You've been chosen, yada yada yada. It felt like it felt like winning the lottery. It really did, and I and I didn't know what to think. You know, I was I, I remember like pacing around the house as I was talking with the lady and just you know writing down notes here and there and just kind of like it was very like oh my god, oh my god, this is happening. Family Matters is brought to you today by the letters L G B T I Q A and the number one. after getting on the list I got the quote call you've been chosen yada 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 it felt like it felt like winning the lottery it really did and I, and I didn't know what to think you know I was I, I remember like pacing around the house as I was talking with the lady and just you know writing down notes here and there and just kind of like it was very like oh my god oh my god this is happening and then towards the end of the conversation so of course I didn't get to this in the end of the conversation I'm like well so when does she do nine days oh my god <laughs> So my joke has always been, you know, straight couples, what, they get nine months, we yeah. get nine Nine days. days. <laughs> so I had to whip that, yeah, I had to whip that nursery together like it was, you know, like I was on a show, like a reality show. I literally, like, yeah, I had like 40, 48 hours in my head, like, I got to get this thing going. And so. You know what um, I love about the myth of, like, getting a nursery together? Because I've just, mm-hmm. we've just given birth, got the nursery right. and all that together and all the big furniture. But realistically... Yep. She barely spends any time in it because she's still Ever. in the bassinet Never. in our bedroom. Yep. So it's like, I killed myself <laughs> to get the colors right, to get the design right. Exactly. I'm such, you yeah. know, I joke that I'm a gay man in a lesbian's body, but it's <laughs> perfect, right? But, you know, yeah. other than change a nappy in there, I don't go in that space. She'll yet. get there, I promise. Yeah, she no, will. Trust she me. will. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They eventually, especially I'd say about one or so is when you're going to, you know, and that, but yes, I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. I did the same exact <laughs> thing where I hustled like crazy to get this nursery together. And then just like you said, he was in the bassinet forever. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, we only went in there for like changing table purposes and things yeah. like that. But, um, so anyways, but I was given nine days and of wow. course he came seven days after. So oh. he was even two days earlier. And um, yeah, we got the call. We got to go to the hospital. Oh, wow. I witnessed him being born, oh. which I thought was beautiful. And I think that when people say like it's gross, I'm like, no. what are you talking about? I'm like, you, you have, you, you know, I don't know. I thought it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Um, and and Did we you were get able that... to leave the hospital with our names on the birth certificate. No way. Was like, That's massive. Yes. 
That's it was, massive. It was and yeah, did you get yeah. that experience of that beautiful skin-on-skin contact? Because that's really yeah. important. Oh, yep, I was the first to hold him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was the first to hold him, and I, I was the first to do that, like you said, the skin-on-skin thing. And what's so funny is my Facebook just popped up because his birthday was on Monday, so yep. it was right around this. And, and it showed literally that was the picture. It was me with him on my chest. You know, it was, like, really cute. Kind of, you know how they do, like, the memories. Yeah, so I just saw that. But, no, we get, we got the full parenting experience from starting. Wow. You know, we, we were there for his first poop. We were there for his first everything. You know what I mean? Like, you name it. It was We were there. And that's the thing. So, Adoption um, is still really hard in this country. And only recently, it? some of the states have only started relaxing the laws to allow LGBTQI people to even adopt. Like, that's how well, that's hard it has been necessary. in this country. So, okay. was was surrogacy ever an option for you guys? Because it's such it an expensive was, But we, option. there was two reasons why we didn't want to go down that road. One was, I'm just going to say it, the cost, about $150,000. I, I think it's come down, but at that it's time, still, it was no, if, uh, Guys here are still talking about 100 to 150. Though. Exactly. Yeah. And then, and then on top of it, we kind of made the decision like, you know what, there's kids out there that need us. Yeah. So let's, let's start with that. And then our, our goal, what we wanted to do was then sur- do surrogacy down the road, which yeah. my actually, which my ex, did end up doing, but after we got divorced. So oh, he okay. actually has. So my son has a brother at my ex's house that my ex surrogated after we divorced. But um, I know, right? That makes the story even crazier. But um, <laughs> it does. Uh, little, little complicated. But no, we. Um, so that was what, how we came up with the choice. We even looked at fostering. You yes. know, there were several other. That's a really viable we, option for a lot of um, yeah. gay dads here because fostering has always been uh, available because there are so many kids that need homes and need people to take care of them. And we're always trying to call out for people to be foster carers for short or long-term stays. Yeah. Well, see, and now that I'm 41, I'm not going to lie, I would love to have another child if I get lucky enough to meet somebody. But most mm. likely, I wouldn't be starting from scratch with a baby. <laughs> that would be most likely the route, the route we would take would yeah. be uh, fostering, you know. Yeah. So, But, um, but yeah, I, I, I always hate... It sounds like I brag about my story, but but really our adoption story was very blessed. We we had everything line. It was just perfect, you know. And and my my son's my son, and we were. I couldn't imagine life without him. Like he's my favorite thing that exists. And um, yeah, and and really everything, even like this 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 conversation has all kind of been because of him. He's been the source of inspiration for me since he was born. It does. It just shifts. Like you know, you kind of think you prepare for it. There is no preparing Mm -hmm. for what it does to your heart and the way it just expands and just perspective just changes on absolutely everything in the best way possible. I I always say what happens when you have a child is you end up the par- a good parent will relinquish their selfishness. Oh, like God, that's yes. when you you pretty much have to put yourself aside. Like that's really when it happens is yeah. when you have a child. It's like okay, I'm no longer number one. Like <laughs> he's number one. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, gay at home dad, how did you choose to be the parent at parent at home? So the primary, okay. like I'm the primary parent at home because I don't make yeah. that much money and my partner does. So that was right. kind of a you know, even though I'm not the birth mother, it just made it sense was a financially. It was no brainer for me. Kind of the same with us. Um, like I said, my ex, uh, his job up here was so wonderful. He's an attorney. Mm-hmm. So he was already well established in his career. I was, um, not that I wasn't, I, I was a, I did retail managing for um, luxury companies like Gucci and Louis Vuitton. And I, I love that, you mm-hmm. know, kind of got, I, I just love being involved with fashion and all that stuff. Well, believe me here in Northwestern rural Connecticut, <laughs> none of that exists. Like we have a gap 
You know, that's it. Our, that's about it. And believe me when I say the pay wouldn't even come close. So it was kind of like, why use up my time? It, it just didn't make sense. So that's kind of how we decided on that. And um, yeah, it really was almost, again, like like I said with you, it was a no-brainer for yeah. us. It was just kind of yeah. like, okay, this is the, these are the shoes I need to step in and fill. And I did, and I did. So, yep. I'm really curious because I know for myself, even though Rainbow Families are a bit more prevalent now, you had this nine years ago. Even I am experiencing, you know, rocking up to see the maternal health nurse and if it's not the regular okay. one, getting the look up and down going, oh, hang on a sec, you're not a little boy. Right. You're actually a lesbian. This is a rainbow family. You're in Connecticut. So you're in a very yeah. small, let's call it a small town. I think that's, you know, it's, it it's safe is. to say that. A With, village almost. And I yeah. feel pretty secure in the hospital because I knew they had training from rainbow families. Sure. For, what was your experience? Were you kind of like, how did that, how did you negotiate that with their other rainbow families? What was the knowledge of people right. around you? Were you kind of always having to educate people nine years ago in this space? Yes and no. So basically, I am the kind of gay person that I just don't accept. If somebody's going to have a problem with me, like I almost don't accept that. Yeah. I just won't, won't, you know, they're not a part of my life, I guess is a good way to put it. And yeah. I, I'm quick to pick up on, on things like that. So I was very fortunate that I met a uh, girlfriend up here that had a baby at the same time. And she brought me into her baby group with all the other girlfriends <laughs> so i i again it was pretty blood so so that's how i kind of uh, you know ushered my way into the whole thing and they helped make it not a big deal with me and i i always say that i'm like i think that if you yourself make something a big deal mm. people are going to pick up on that you mm. know what i mean if you're anxious about it people are going to pick up on that and feed on it if you're just like this is the way it is this is my kid then people are you know mainly going to accept it and if they don't you know f them you know what i mean that's the way i kind of felt about it so yeah. Yeah. Um, so really, obstacle-wise, none that I can really – I mean, nothing that crazy. I mean, I did have a few people when he was l really little would ask me things like, oh, where's his mother? Yes. And I'd say, well, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm his dad. You know, he's got two dads, so I don't know where his mother is right now. I'm like, we speak. I'm like, I, I don't know where she is. But, yeah. And um, I – look, so I, I was, still – I was just very honest. Yeah. I still get people saying to me, so who's the real mother? And it's like, Really? Really? Oh yeah, that's and, the real. Like, that's terrible. But you know, people are still learning, and I'm. I'm. Sure. And it's really hard sometimes. You know, you're just there to you know get your baby checked out or get a vaccination or something, and you're like, I don't want to have right. to put my positive activist face on. I just want to worry about my child exactly. right now. I don't want to educate you on language. I just want to make sure it's true. Yeah, I mean, because w one of the things that I always said was really interesting, um, which is that when me and my ex used to go out, for all people knew, we were just two buddies eating at a restaurant, right? Yeah. The minute a child came into the picture, everybody knew what it was. We were a gay family. It was very yeah. obvious. So I did notice some stares and things like that. But my favorite thing to do when somebody stares at me is literally stare back yeah. crazily until they stare, <laughs> until they move their head. And then I continue on with the stare to see if they check back. And I'm like, I'm still staring. Um, so, you know, I have my own little ways of kind of dealing with that stuff. But I, I in general, I tend to ignore it. I, yeah. I, I think I walk around like a horse with blinders on and I just kind of see what I want to see. And, you know, I, I have my own shade of rose-colored glasses that I, that I tend to use. So, yeah. 
And and that's the thing, babies and little kids, they're such conversation starters. Like people actually yeah. want to come up. You know True. what? I've actually been really excited by some of the feet. People are just so excited to see a baby that yeah. it kind of oh, does true. diminish some of that negativity that I was ex- I was expecting. It's actually been yeah. a really positive experience because um, babies good. just melt everyone's heart. It's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just wait. wait toddlers do the same. You've got a few <laughs> years more of that melting the heart. Actually, my kid's nine and he's still melting hearts. So yeah, totally. Like, right, I've know? seen so him on YouTube. I I think, although someone just referred to him as a tween and that made my life. I was like, wait, is he like, wait, at nine? And apparently (laughs) from nine to, yes, he is considered technically a tween. And I'm like, okay, so I've got a young tween. I just didn't even think about that until somebody (laughs) said it. And I'm like, oh my God. So, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, um, like you said, it elicits joy, I think, having a baby, you know, so I think that's, that's just part of it, so. Your ex-husband. So I read somewhere that you got married pretty soon after, after, after Briggs came into your beautiful yes. world. There's always this pressure I think a lot of us feel, you know, about our relationships and raising a family. Because you were known so well as being this kind of gay dad, did you feel a pressure from the community when your relationship broke up? Was there something, like, did you feel any Very kind of... question. Yes, yes. I Did I feel... That's a big thing that I kind of talk about is is yes, we definitely, there's a guilt almost that we I felt, and I'm not going to speak for him actually, because I'm going to, I can only speak for myself, but mm. I felt somewhat of a guilt or that I let my community down. Isn't and, it crazy? You know, I know. Because we had just gotten the right to, to marry. But what I do say is on the flip side, that also means that we got the right to divorce. Yeah. And unfortunately, um, through my Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff, people might, that I talk to, they just reach out to me and they say, hey, Frank, I'm kind of going through the same thing. Like, what do you suggest I do? Like, I'm, I'm scared. And, and, and what I always say is do everything you can. Mm-hmm. Literally do everything you can. Exhaust your options. Mm-hmm. Go through everything. Save that marriage if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's certainly what we did. We went through every single option you can possibly imagine. Counseling, mm-hmm. you know, you name it. We did everything. And then there, there does come to be a... It, a breaking point, and that's that's unfortunately where we were. Um, we still ma- maintain great contact and communication. We co-parent, I think, Fabulous. really well with him. Yeah. So he's all, he's happy, and I think that's kind of your litmus test as yeah. to whether or not you're doing a good job. You can tell if your kid's happy or not, you know. And so he's not. He seems very well adjusted, and believe me, he takes advantage of the whole two Christmases, two birthdays. <laughs> two, oh yeah, he knows how to. Exploit we all? Us really. Oh yeah, he knows how to exploit us like crazy. Obviously, online. Long story short, I did the gay at home dad thing in 2012. I just hopped on Twitter with kind of like this funny name. It took off, you know. It kind of got me this. You say famous, I say gamous. I'm like, it's not that many gay people know me, but you know that's pretty much about it. In 2000 and. Nine were married, and so yes, when we got divorced, I was already kind of a Twitter, whatever you want to call it, uh, Twitter. People looked up to me. People looked up to us. Yeah. I yes, I sold. I was literally selling gay family to people. I was literally saying, "This is what a gay family looks like." Yeah. I, I wanted to make sure on Instagram to just put pictures up. We would go on like Disney cruises, and I just kind of wanted it to be. You know, I wanted people to see, and really especially for gay youth, like, you can do this. You know, that's kind of what I wanted to do. I think because we've not grown up with it as well. It's really important to reflect that image. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So when the separation, we separated for at least a year or two before we actually divorced. So when that was happening, I didn't obviously mention a word of it or anything like that. Um, When we got divorced, it was June 1st of three years ago, so 2015, 
I made a really bad decision. <laughs> on Father's Day, which was like three weeks later, I was kind of seeing a guy who was quite, I'll just say he was a little younger than me, let's just say that. Mm-hmm. And I started, we went on a vacation. We went to Fort Lauderdale because I did not want to be around Father's Day because it was the first year that oh. I was not going to be with my son. Yes. Oh. So I was just like, I was like, instead of moping around my house, let's get to Florida. So what I did before revealing to the public <laughs> that I was broken up is I stupidly took all these pictures of us on this trip and I start noticing like these comments are coming in like what is going on are you cheating on your you know like and my my follower like went way down you know people just dropping me right I didn't really think of and then all of a sudden I'm like holy shit like I didn't announce that we were divorced he didn't come out again no I didn't (laughs) so I resolved it all with a with a um, a video is what I ended up doing. I put it on YouTube and I explained, and it's actually a, like a letter to my son that I kind of wrote uh, and read out loud, and it kind of explains why we're getting divorced and da 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 da, and it's not his yeah. fault. So I put that out and I kind of quelled all my naysayers at the moment. But yeah, I, I really messed up in the very beginning there, and I've been very careful since. Not well, it's to, Florida. You yeah. have the mojitos, the yeah. sun. I mean, you can. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I was like, yeah, yeah, I was feeling it. So, you know, I put the whole thing up on Instagram and then it was like, oh, God, what did I do? Um, So, yeah, so I had a little backlash from that. But um, but but since then, like I said, I've I've actually now I'm making myself known as the gay divorced dad. So it's kind of like I have even more more whatever you want to call it stuff to talk about you know more things to talk about again (laughs) it's so important because there are Mm -hmm. other men out there like you and there are other parents out there like you and you know now that i've you know we've got a child in our lives for me the I know more single mums than I know single dads. And I just think, oh, my God, with a newborn, how do single mums do it? Because I I know quite a few women that have done it on their own, and I just think, oh, my God, hats off. You know, I praise you how how you manage it. To To tell this story is equally, like, we're at that point now where, yes, we know more gay parents, but we need to be hearing diverse stories within our own community. So yeah. it is essential that we're hearing from single gay dads. So how mm-hmm. how is that, you know, like, how was life changed? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because I, I, I tend to, attra- it, it depends on um, the day of the week. How about that? So yeah, I tend to attract, I attract a wide variety of different people. So it really is kind of, uh, and then, and then, you know, I hate to say this, but I'm not a big fan of New England gay people in general, just because they they seem very insecure, shallow. It's just, mm. just I'm a southern. I grew up in Missouri, which is more southern, so I have kind of that like open heart, open, yeah. you know, I like understanding. Like I'm the, t- you know, like if somebody messes up, I, I'm not going to just instantly get out of their life. And I've noticed that people up here are just very like aloof almost like you know if, like okay well we were together for a month and a half but you know you messed up one night so bye you know so it's kind of i haven't yet met my match if you will so yeah. it's tough and I, I am kind of somewhat seeing somebody right now but that's what i literally feel like i always say is yeah. i'm somewhat seeing somebody <laughs> so I've, I've really i had one good serious relationship but he lived in new york so unfortunately the the distance did end up kind of getting to us over time um and is it yeah, because you you're know, and is it because you're co-parenting now that you're staying based in Connecticut for for Briggs's Completely. yeah for Briggs's life? I'm trapped here. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, again, I, and I say that that's I'm, I'm writing my own memoir, and one of the chapters is actually um, trapped in CT, and it's kind of like I, I I let Briggs know 
that that's not his fault. Like, no. you know, like I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be anywhere else but here because of him. So yeah. I make sure that he kind of knows that I'm kind of saying it in jest. Yeah. But it is the truth. Day 101 of my captivity in Connecticut. You know, yeah. it's kind of like, you know. Yeah, literally. I'd be in Boston or New York, which are both two hours from me, yeah. kind of right in the middle if I, if I had my choice. But obviously, I need to be around my kid. And that was something that was discussed when my ex and I did divorce. We didn't actually get lawyers, none of that stuff. We got a mediator. We just kind of sat at a table, discussed everything had an agreement worked out so it was very um you know very i think that we just did it right it was very not it, it wasn't heated how about that that's a good way to put it so and that's and again that's a really important message to get out there but it doesn't have right. to be that way for us did marriage yeah. equality make gay divorce easier especially with a child it, in the i would have to say yes i mean it definitely did i mean i'm def here's the thing i'm very glad that we did get married and then got divorced because uh, with divorce, it comes with, you know, I, like I said, I, I haven't worked in um, years because I was mm. a stay-at-home parent, so yeah. I needed some sort of protection. And so it did offer me some protection that I needed. And, and you know, my ex has been wonderful and, and has stepped up, you know, he's, yeah, everything's kind of worked out. It took a while, yeah. you know, I'd say about the first year. Everybody always jokes, like, about, you know, divorce is so great. Like, once you get out, you feel free. That's not true. It was no. like a whole year of me, like, drinking wine in my bed. You know, like, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, what, what you thought. And even if I did meet somebody, it was still, like, you know, I had this little nugget of regret in my head that I just couldn't kind of get rid of. And, um, yeah, you know, and I, I still love my ex. But I'm just not in love with him. That's kind yeah. of what I say. And, and I know when I was kind of, when I was telling people, oh, I'm going to be the, you know, the stay-at-home parent for mm -hmm. as long as I can, they're like, but what about your work? It's really kind of taking off and, you know, security, yeah. you know, those kind of basic security things. And especially as a yeah. woman to build that security. It's like, but I, I understand the alarm bells that people have. We do give up our careers. We do. It's a full-time job and I yeah. don't have any regrets. So, you know, I can always go back and, and go to work. And when I need to, I will go back and, you can. and get work. Okay, it's so like, that's... Yeah. That's fortunate for you. See, I am in a position where I cannot really do that. So I am in now, I'm looking at, at things like possibly opening a business or mm -hmm. things like that. You know, that's kind of where I have to look because this giant blank space in my resume doesn't make sense. Um, and maybe that's because I'm male, you know, I don't know yeah, what it is, you possibly. know, like why, why as a male, like, why do you, why didn't you work for 10 years, you know, wow, whatever, while yeah. I was raising our child is why, but like, that doesn't necessarily fly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I've, yeah. And, and fortunately, like I said, I have another book deal, my memoir, and then I had, I just sold my children's book, which is a big <laughs> deal. Um, cause it teaches diversity in a fun way. So I, I sold that. So I've got three book deals wow. in the works. Yeah. So that's good. It's just, they're gambles. That's, that's, that's just like, a, you know, anything, any kind of business, it's, it's a gamble. So I, I need, like you mentioned a few seconds ago, that security and all that. And that's why I do, I would, my, my little bit of advice for anybody that's a stay-at-home parent is just to have a contingency plan mm -hmm. just doesn't mean that you know it's ever going to happen but just have a plan just in case like you know what I'd love to talk about next is this amazing book you've got out called Raised by Unicorn, which is an anthology, stories from kids raised by LGBTQ parents. Now, right. knowing the times that we're in, I see that most of the parent, well, most of the kids have been raised by gay or lesbian parents, um, right. so not bisexual and trans, but I think that is going to be thing something we're going to see change over the course yes. of, of years. 
I mean, yes. what kind of inspired you to put this book together? Because you edit all the stories. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So really, um, and you know, it's funny, let me touch really fast on like what you just said about how it's heavier on the L and the G, but the B and the T are really not that is present in the book. I agree. I think in several years that's going to change, which is totally. why I see this as a volume. Yeah, so wonderful. I see this as volume one, you know, raised by unicorns, volume one. So volume two, maybe in five years we'll revisit, maybe 10, whatever is appropriate. And yeah. I think we're going to see a change. You know, it's going to be like this moving snapshot as to what's happening in the world. But um, so how it all came about is the publishers themselves found me through Twitter. So I've said this to anybody on Twitter, and people are always like, how, how do you get all these opportunities? Just because I simply have my an email address that's for Twitter only in my profile, and I get all these you know amazing opportunities out of it. Um, but it's also because you're me. very charming on Twitter too. You know, well, not everyone on that. Twitter is going to get a I'm, book deal. I don't know. I'm pretty you. snarky. I'm pretty snarky. It's fun. Believe me, I've been... Yeah, I'm pretty snarky, but like, I, I think people know, like, I'm on their side kind of thing. Yeah. So like, yeah. But I'm definitely like, I, my, my old profile used to say, I used to be a bitchy gay guy, and now I'm a bitchy gay dad. <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of like, you know, I cut in, but I play with it, you know, it's kind of fun. So what happened to me is this wonderful opportunity, Kleist Press, that's the uh, publishers, they're the nations in the U.S., they're the, the largest LGBTQ plus uh, publishing company. They just came to me and they said, we have this idea. It was pretty loose. You know, they're like, we want to do this, we want to do this. Like, you know, do you want to take the reins? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, firstly, can I can I name it? They're like, of course, you know. So that's that's when I went to the, you know, thinking of different names. You know, I had, oh, my God, you should see the cutting room floor. Like, the some of the titles that I had thought of were, were really bad. Like, one of them of which was, like, Children of the Scorn. You know, like, I, <laughs> it was, which I, after writing those things down, I'm like, okay, I think I know what people need. People need positive. Yeah. And I think Raised by Unicorns is a riff on the term raised by wolves, obviously. And um, it's been really welcomed with open arms. Everybody, and and the people, the writers of the book, the kids and the people, they all, they're now referring to themselves as unicorn kids. I'm starting to see unicorn kids kind of pop up like on Twitter and things like that. I'm like, ooh, did I start? Like, that's great. (laughs) I think that's really good. Um, So anyway, so they came to me and they said, yeah, you know, would you, you want to do it? I'm like, sure, you know, absolutely. So my job then was to find the story. So I, I, had to put out and I did use social media like awesome. everywhere, like a big, you know, a, um, a cattle call basically. I'm like, who, who I've got please, this power. I'm going to use are, it for good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I will say I got close to a hundred, um, submissions and I'd say maybe 70 to 80% were lesbian parents. Oh, wow. So yes. So then I, I kind of had to go back and kind of change that cattle call a little and be like, if you have two male parents or yeah. two trans, you know, I kind of had to do that just to make sure I rounded out the book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I whittled that down from a hundred to like 14 stories. Oh, how hard to kind of go. Oh, oh, it was hard. I, I cried a lot at my computer. <laughs> let's just say that there were, I kept a box of Kleenex right by me just because some of the stories were really heart wrenching. Yeah. Um, and I made sure to include a couple of those in the book. Cause I think it's important that you see every side of the story. Um, and then, and then what I, what happened was, and I forgot how he contacted. I think he contacted me through Twitter. Um, an ex Major League Baseball pitcher, his name is Joe Valentine. He um, came to me, came forward to me, and was like, "Hey, I was raised by two moms. I'd love to do something for your book. Oh, I'm not much of a writer, you know." He was just very. He just came. You know, he's like, "I'm not much of a writer." I'm like, "How about this? How about I interview you?" And we put that like at the back of the book or something. And he's like, great. So that's how the book closes is this interview with him. And people just love it. They think it's like it, it's you can literally hear his voice and it's hilarious. Like he's kind of he's, he's from like Long Island, New York, and he sounds, you know, you can kind of almost hear it come out. And yeah, it's um, 
so that that kind of rounded out the book. And um, yeah, that's kind of how I just went for stories that were as diverse yeah. as I could possibly find, different ages. So the age of I wanted to author, ask, yeah, what are the chapter. ages of? Because if you've got a baseball player, I'm assuming for, you know right. adult. So what are the what's the age ranges by the authors in the book? Teens to forties. So it's wow. all over the place. Yeah, my youngest writer, her name is Michaela, and she's 15. And I swear she's going to be president one day. <laughs> she, <laughs> she is. Her writing blew me out of the water, and she's actually attended a couple of the book signings and she was on the panel and she's just so well-spoken and eloquent and it's like oh my goodness like you are you should be like she is like the the prime example of like you know a unicorn kid if you will she's just wonderful um yeah so it it does it runs the gamut though it's all different ages all different and i also was looking for different parts of the united states that was the other thing that i really wanted to show so it was kind of a few different things yeah I had the opportunity during the marriage equality campaign to interview, and I'll never do it again because of the work that it involved, interview 17 <laughs> kids from Rainbow Families, and the ages ranged oh, wow. from 6 to 15, so that was crazy. Oh, wow. But what resonated with me is, yeah, of course these kids wanted marriage equality, but there was right. just this this greater empathy and social justice message that the kids kept repeating throughout the day, you know, wanting to support refugees, because I would ask every single one of them, you know, what, what right. would you want to do if you were Prime Minister for the day? Right. And and all right. these kids were interviewed individually. The parents weren't in the room, and the same message came, kept coming out. <gasps> they wanted to support refugees. They wanted to su- protect the environment. And it just blew me away. Like, I just, these just beautiful future activists and future leaders. Mm-hmm. It gave me mm-hmm. so much hope. And I know for us, the podcast, when we released it, it was really important for Rainbow Parents to hear those stories because, surprise, the kids are okay. In fact, they're better than okay. Yeah, the they're kids are all right. Fabulous. Yeah, exactly. Well, wasn't it an Australian study done recently-ish that, that basically They're doing pretty discuss, bloody well. <laughs> yeah, that discussed exactly this, that yeah. they are more well-adjusted yeah. for the most part because they're exposed to more. Um, I definitely sense that from the writers of my book. I could I, What I kind of notice is it seemed as though the more involved or open the parents are or mm. were – the more involved the children or people were. That's yeah. what I kind of noticed. It, yeah. it, it all depended. Like the parents kind of lead the the way. So, yeah. you know, there's a couple of stories in there where they, the parents lived kind of a closeted life. So the children kind of took that shame with them, yeah. unfortunately. And they, they themselves had to kind of come out of the closet, if you will, and let people know, like, I've got a gay parent, you know, just because yeah. it was more shrouded in secrecy, which is sad. But, you know, that's just the reality of the situation. Some, some families are going to be like that. Because this has been out in the marketplace now, uh, still very... Very fresh, very new. But how has the feedback been? Fabulous. I I quite literally haven't run across any kind of negative reaction so far. The only thing that people have kind of picked up on is what I've already stated, which is that it is definitely heavier on the LG. Um, But Again, one of, it's funny. One, yeah. yeah, one of the um, somebody who I think she was just doing a regular story was asking, "Are there any trans parents?" You know, in this book, you know, and I actually I know for a fact one of them is, but it wasn't meant to be discussed, mm. and it really was nobody's business because once again, it's not about the parents; it was about the kids. Yeah. So we kind of did this whole back and forth, and I'm like. There is a transparent, and she was trying to get me to like say who, and I'm like, I'm not going to out a person just because of of your, (laughs) because you need me to like validate that there's a trans person in this book, you know, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, so I I definitely, um, 
I stand behind it. I stand behind everything that, that I wrote that is in there and the editing. And I, I feel like it's a, it, it brings people a really good sense of empathy, which you kind of mm. touched on earlier. And I think that's really what, if there's one thing I want people to take away from this book is empathy. You know, these kids don't, they're not looking for sympathy. They're not saying like, oh, please feel sorry for me. They're yeah. just like saying, hey, get me, understand yeah. me, <laughs> yeah. you know, so yeah. So Briggs doesn't, ha- he's got a tiny little passage in this book. He yes, doesn't uh, have his own story. Yeah. Are we hoping to, you know, volume two, maybe Briggs gets to uh, have his own his own essay published or is he kind of like, that. No, I'll do a YouTube video and I, instead. I, I never push him. Yeah, we, <laughs> we do have a YouTube show that we do. It's called Driving Mr. Briggs. Yeah. And it's under the same name, Gay at Home Dad, if you're, if you're listening and interested. It's very cute. We'll share all those links um, on our page. They're really cute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're fun. But he's kind of slowly realizing what, I am and what I'm doing and like it's kind of like you know he's starting to kind of get it I will leave that space open for him if he wants to but I will not pressure him never so right now you know he's his main interest is Star Wars so (laughs) if if I told him if I said to him hey buddy we want to write a chapter about Star Wars yeah I'd get a whole you know flipping chapter out of that no problem yeah um you know so yeah I I love it he'll be all open up going Frank you are my father, yeah. you know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, oh my God, that's perfect. That's exactly what he'll. You're right. He has to. Exactly. Oh my gosh, you just gave me his. I'm going to tell him like that's your opening line. He's going. He's going to love that's it. Great. Perfect. Is that the best way yeah. for us here in Australia to order a copy of Raised by Unicorns? Just jump on Amazon. Yep. I will say this: if you're listening, it keeps selling out, but they keep restocking it. So Fabulous. just be patient. Yeah, which is good. But like, be, it, it, like originally they were telling people like they wouldn't get them until July or August, but then I just got a bunch of people saying like, oh, no, I got it last week. I'm like, perfect. So they keep restocking it. So, yes, absolutely, Amazon. Thank you so much, Frank, for, you know, pulling this together and getting it out there. And, you know, using that Twitter power for good. Yeah, I always to- try to. That's been my yeah. whole mantra. Is and I, and I keep saying through this whole thing, like, what I really want to end is how people refer to the way I parent my child as gay parenting. Mm. I'm like, what the, the hell parent. is that? How does one gay parent my child? Like, yeah. what, what am I doing gay? Like, sure, his hair may have a little bit more style in it Fabulous than other kids. Right? You know what yeah. I mean? But it's like, how am I gay parenting him? You know, yeah. I'm just a parent. We're all parents. That's one of my my big takeaways, I always say. Like, thank you so much for having me. This has been a wonderful conversation. You've been listening to Joy 94.9's Family Matters podcast, your lighthearted look at parenthood and rainbow families, sponsored by Berry Street. Did you know that Berry Street seeks members of our LGBTI communities to become foster carers? Not only do they have a proud tradition of training and embracing LGBTIQ carers, they officially support marriage equality. Learn more now at berrystreet.org.au, a proud Joy sponsor for over five years. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.